Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Your Hits, a Stormriders Airsoft podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. For this episode, we're going to be trying a new format um, that's going to be a little bit like a Would You Rather. Um, we're calling it This or That with Phil and Pat. Um, I went for it because it rhymes. Yeah. So, uh, in short, what this will be is that we will each take turns presenting different questions or situations uh, to the other, and we're going to discuss sort of what our answers would be, uh, what our preference would be in that particular situation. So, without further ado, uh, we're going to jump right in, and I'm going to ask Pat a question. So the first question I have for you, Pat, is would you rather play a game with 300 BBs divided into 10 low-cap mags or all in one high-cap mag? Definitely low-caps. Okay. Um, This is sort of funny. We made up our questions uh, opposite one another, and I know some of them are going to be similar. Uh, But yeah, no, uh, I'm not a big fan of rattling when I move around. Um, I'm already a pretty ungainly person, so like stealth is not my forte. But I'd rather not have the shaka shaka shaka. Uh, Also, winding mags drives me crazy. Yep, that's fair. Um, But to be completely honest, uh, more importantly, I like reloading my gun. Like I practice reloading uh, because I want to be efficient at it. I use mid caps because there's sort of a happy medium there with the relative accuracy and amount you want to shoot in most games of airsoft that we play but i enjoy the act of reloading my gun uh, i find it sort of pleasant from a tactile sense um which is i guess kind of weird to say but like i do yeah yeah um you know and something about that like positive click of reloading my makes you feel like a badass that's true yeah that's a good point <laughs> uh you know so like there's that i also know you know from my own play like mostly i fire on semi-auto which means that I'm going to get better mileage out of the uh, 10, 30 round mags than m- many people might. Yeah, like myself, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, so like I'm firing on semi. Uh, I don't fire as many shots to hit a target because my rifle is quite well made. So I feel like I'm comfortable there as well. Uh, I've run low caps and I've run high caps and your high cap mag rewinding it requires in a lot of ways for me at this point more focus than simply reloading does yeah right so i'm actually gonna spend more time not focused on what's going on and really ostensibly not being able to shoot using a high cap than i will just reloading Um, that's fair and i mean we do practice reloading a fair bit we never mm -hmm. practice winding high caps because i mean we don't use them yeah and you know i think you're totally right when you say like there's something fun about reloading a mag like i think we've talked about this before you're playing airsoft for fun and you're looking for those cool moments right and i don't think you're ever gonna get a moment where you're like oh man i felt like a badass rewinding my high cap right for sure and like i feel like you know airsoft is a place where you know if we're if we're brave enough to admit like we come here partly to have our like you know our john wick moments right where we're like yeah i'm badass yeah and if you think about it in like john wick a lot of the badass is, like, him doing cool, flashy reloads. Yeah, right? or, like, just gunplay in general. You know, and, right? like, badass gunplay, right? Uh, and so, yeah, I guess part of it's definitely just I'm a nerd and I like the simulationist aspect mm-hmm. of that reload, right? And you're totally right as well on the fact that some people call them tactical maracas, the high caps, I mean. The fact that they do make all that extra noise if you're trying to be sneaky, even not necessarily, like, crawling around, but just, like, 
just trying to be a little bit stealthier, it certainly can make a difference, right? I mean, I did carry a high cap when I ran the Mark 46. That's true. Um, yeah, actually. That's you know, because point. the Mark 46 that we had, that's an ANK one, will actually feed from a standard M4 mag properly. Uh, and so just being able to be like, well, uh, box mag's empty. <laughs> Need BBs that way. Plus, if I remember correctly, the Mark 46 box mag was garbage too, right? Oh, man, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know there were games where we just ran that gun on 80 round mid caps because it was just like, yeah, I mean, it's it's still doing the job. I have to feed it a lot more regularly than I'd like to, but that's way better than the box mag that we had for it. We did eventually get a nice one for it. Uh, that was much much better, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, no, definitely on the on the mid cap side for a whole bunch of reasons, evidently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tournament being fair play and all, the first question uh, I came up with to ask you was also sort of a would you rather, um, yeah. So I know you are not a high cap guy, um, but yeah, would you rather run uh, a high cap mag, or would you rather be forced to uh, slog uphill with my pack and yours? <laughs> yeah um i think i would take the packs to be honest with you i'm safe this is how pat gets in trouble <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think i would take uh, i i really really dislike high caps um for a, lo- a lot of the reasons we just talked about and to be honest with you personally i've always found that there's something fun with physically pushing myself to do things that are challenging um earlier in the year we did like a bit of an endurance race uh, setup. Uh, and it was, so it was like an obstacle course with like crawling and some shooting and carrying heavy weights and stuff. And that was very difficult. And we pushed really hard. And overall, I think, you know, the course only took like only four minutes, but it was hard. Like by the end of it, you were, you were tired. And even Chris, who uh, on our team is, you know, extremely fit. This is a guy who does strongman competitions. Like he is a, he's a tough dude. He was still bushed by the end of it. For some reason, like in a weird way, that seems, that's fun, Right. I, you know, I believe most people don't ever really push themselves in any way, let least of all physically, right? So being able to really push yourself and see like how much you can endure before you either mentally quit on something, which for me, to be honest, like I'm not some Jocko Willink Navy SEAL dude who will like push until he passes out. Like I will give up, but pushing that failure point for myself is, is, is fun having that challenge. So yeah, I would definitely prefer to wear those two packs. However, uh, I'm saying this as a bit of a caveat, give me the two packs and bring the high cap and see how long I take before I change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, and how long do you have to keep using the high cap? Right. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say about the high caps before we move on to uh, a topic that isn't hating on them, uh, for especially the newer players out there, uh, they will feed well in the gun they come with usually, and that is a huge plus if you're like, oh, you know, I need to figure out what kind of mags I want, or I don't have enough money to buy mags. Like, we're not uh, hating on new players. We're not hating on, you know, the experience of learning to play around the high cap and, like, having one, and or if you like them, you know, that's great. That's cool. You know, you do you. Uh, we just both find them not fun for ourselves. You know, I don't want to be raining on anyone's parade. No, for sure. Absolutely. Like we always say, you know, use whatever kit you want. Like we're not here to, be, to tell you what yeah, you should absolutely. be doing. It's our personal you know, preference. And in terms of the, you know, pushing yourself thing, I definitely get that. Like there's a lot of pleasure to be had from, you know, like pushing yourself physically and being like, okay, you know, there was some adrenaline there and some me being tired now, but in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. 
but hopefully, you know, that's a thing that some of our audience has encountered before. Yeah, for, for sure. And, you know, if you get a chance to play at a game where you can sort of do a bit more of an impressionist or recreationist that we so sort of stuff we talked about with John, like where you can wear a lot of kit and see how exhausting that is and imagine yourself, you know, oh yeah, imagine for yourself, yeah, you know, real soldiers do this all the time. They carry 50 pounds, 60 pounds of kit and they have to do all this extra stuff. It's pretty tiring. And, um, but at the end of the day too, like you're doing it for fun and maybe you find yourself that actually, hey, you know what? I did a hard thing and pat yourself on the back and you, you know, you move on. And like having that experience, you know, is absolutely worthwhile in and of itself. And you don't necessarily have to go, oh, yeah, like I went out and I got my, you know, World War II kit exactly like John's crazy one. And then I humped around 50 pounds worth of extra gear for an entire day of Airsoft to feel good about pushing yourself and playing Airsoft. You know, uh, one of the big things that we've found is that morale is super important to the game. And yeah, just bring a mindset of no i can i can go that you know extra 15 feet that's not a problem i can push myself that a little harder i can play that last game and give it my all and then go collapse in the car <laughs> you can always push a little bit further than you think you can uh, and it feels good when you do and it's worth bringing that sort of like yeah i'm gonna do it attitude to airsoft because it's a game it's for fun you can push it right and you'll get more out of it next question i have for you no extra context p90 or mp7 Oh, I hate you. Uh, I'm going to go with the P90. Okay. Um, now I guess I get to give context. Sure, you do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I, I still love my P90 uh, that I used to own. Like, as we've talked about before, it's a completely ridiculous gun for me to own. Um, but, I mean, in very much the same sense, so is the MP7. Like, I could literally carry an MP7 as a sidearm, and it would be like, yeah, it's fine. That's, that's not really going to inconvenience me. Yeah. <laughs> Other than maybe it getting in the way a bit. Uh, just because it's bulkier than the Glock, but like, can you can you get a Serpa for an MP7? Probably. <laughs> oh, that's a terrible idea. Thanks to Google later. But so um, why why the P90 over the MP7? Um, straight up, just being a nerd. Yeah. It has nothing to do with practicality. Like, I think in in a real steel sense, the MP7 is probably a better tool for most applications that you could use either of them for. Uh, in an airsoft sense, it certainly is because it's a little slicker because it's usually gas operated it's a really efficient platform it's much easier to reload it's much more conventional and more tuned to what i'm used to mm -hmm. and like i absolutely remember learning to reload the p90 was a pain and getting mag pouches for the p90 was a pain and carrying mags and reloading the p90 was just like this gun was not actually designed for this yeah. You know, like it says in the name, it's a, it's a personal defense weapon, right? It's meant to be the last ditch thing for a tank crew or a pilot or whatever. Not a combat weapon, if you will. And like the ergonomics of it do sort of work out that way to me. Funnily, now that I'm poking at World War II stuff, I'm like, man, you could sort of use the same kind of mag bags that Thompson's used, they used to use for Thompson's to carry yeah, certainly. the sticks for it. But uh, I couldn't get a cool one. When we were or even like a Sten Bandelier or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I couldn't get a a new one when I was doing it and I didn't think of that at the time but yeah it's it's strictly just uh, I watched a lot of Stargate when I was you know in my teens and played a lot of Goldeneye and it was just it was a gun that I used in both of those right or well that got used in Stargate and that I used a lot in Goldeneye and I'm just a nerd for it and you know we don't have any real seal experience shooting either of those guns and I mean in Canada it's very hard for us to I'm not even sure if it's possible for us to acquire either 
of them. But I mean, they're both extremely well-designed guns. Like they're very well, you know, just watching Flannel Daddy talk about and put them through the paces. Like they're they're both very well-designed guns. But you're right. Like I think for our purposes in airsoft, where we're constantly engaging, basically in gunfighting all the time, that like you were saying earlier is not really why these were built. They're not mainline battle rifles, right? And so as a consequence of that, I mean, yeah, sure. If you're using CQB, like you can use them for a game and stuff, but you're right. Like, is it faster reloading a P90 than it is reloading an M4? Like, no, it's not, right? Can you get pretty fast? Sure you can. But is it ever going to be as fast as your M4? Almost certainly not. Absolutely. And in addition, because this is a concern for airsofters where it's not a concern for uh, real seal shooters, you know, those mags cost 50 bucks. You do not want to lose them. So you're going to be putting them in a uh, dump pouch. You're not going to be just tossing them wherever they need to go to get them out of your hand as quickly as you can. I mean, I have metal midcaps. They cost 20 bucks. I'd rather not lose one. But like if if I need my hand empty and a new mag go into my gun, I just toss it. It yeah. goes wherever. Like I'll find it in the bushes later. Who cares? Where at $50, I'm a little bit more like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> or I mean, if you have like an MP7 and it's a gas blowback, you're definitely not dumping your gas mags on the deck, right? Because they might break or whatever, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I mean, but at least with the MP7, like I'm still in that sort of like tight ergonomic form like i don't have to adjust nearly as much to fire and reload the mp7 yeah that's uh, so like i do think it's probably the better choice to be honest the the primary reason that i haven't gone out and bought one of the gas ones at this point is just that i'm super happy with my glock and i don't have much motivation to switch to uh to an smg despite the fact that i like i said i'm a big dude i could do it it'd be funny uh i'd also actually weirdly i'd prefer an mp5k to the mp7 as well and for almost exactly the same reason just like action movies when we were a kid where it's just like that dude is one-handing that mp5 and i love it there's a lot to be said about you know how we pick and choose the stuff we want to do in airsoft based on what we sort of want to reenact and relive right and like you said movies and stuff like you saw something on like i mean i really like the famas i always it was my first gun ever but i like it because i'm french and the french military used it for a really long time it's very unique is it like a good main battle rifle for me to use like definitely not right my rifle is better in almost every single way but it still has a sort of a place in my heart right for the very much the same reason and i think a lot of people who listen to this i'm sure will be able to relate to that yeah absolutely i mean i still really like the scar as a platform right we both rocked them for years you know we both at this point are sort of gated out of them largely by the fact that it's easier to modify an m4 yeah. Uh, to get exactly what we want out of it. And just that ends up being a huge deal to both of us. But I really like the Scar. You know, if you sent me to the States and were like, hey, go to a gun range and try stuff out, the Scar would be top of my list, right? Like right up there with the P90. Yeah, <laughs> right? totally. Um Because yeah, like I'm going to go and you're going to go look at stuff where you're like, oh, this is cool. I bought the PX4. This is the last pistol I owned for my modern kit it was a Beretta PX4 by uh, Tokyo Marie. I bought it around when that was showing up in a bunch of movies so like i think i bought it before inception and i'm subsequently not entirely sure what thing i saw it in where i was like "Ooh, i want one of those or you dreamt you saw it in oh yeah there we go (laughs) i definitely did see or dream the thing before i bought it you know and like i mean i still also really like that I think it's a great little compact pistol. If I were going to get into real steel shooting, it's actually one that I'd consider buying because ergonomically, I just I found it really, really comfortable when sure. I was shooting it for airsoft. So if I really loved it for this, I'd probably love it just as much or more for the real steel thing. But I'm I'm very attached to airsoft in that sense because I like to be able to shoot at people, and that's obviously a no go <laughs> with yeah. the uh, with the other tools. No um, 
so yeah, you've sort of preempted me with mentioning the FAMAS, but if you could get, if we could get a gun working for you as well as your current gun, so the internal form factor not be an issue for us, mm -hmm. which is totally not the reality of our lives, but yeah, hey, okay. would you go back to the FAMAS or would you stick with sort of an M4 platform? That's a tough question. I think... I follow uh, the Légion étrangère, so the French Foreign Legion, on Instagram. They post a lot of really cool pictures, and I see those guys rocking their kits, their mainline kits, and some of them using a FAMAS. Many of them now switched over to the HK416, as the French military is also doing. And that kit looks really good. I think I really like the M4 platform, the AR-15. I'm, I'm just going to sneak a, another question in here, because I can. So uh, what, uh, what camo do they prefer? So they have two, the French military has two main camos. They have, I forget uh, what they're actually, the actual numbers are. I mean, our viewers or our listeners can certainly tell us what they're called, but they have a woodland, which is very similar to the American woodland, except it's a bit more on the, on the lighter greens and the, the tans. And they have a desert version of that as well, right? But looking at them, if you didn't know anything about camouflage, you would say that they're basically the same as Woodland. So very, very close. But yeah, their kits are really cool. I really like my M4 platform. I really like the AR-15 platform just because that's the one I'm most familiar with. It's the one I've been using now the longest. It's the one that I've trained on the most. It's the one I shot real steel on. It's the one that I've shot airsoft on for, you know, going on 13 years, uh, all the drills, everything. So it's really hard to fall away from that. And so, I mean, I might get a 416, but that's a bit of a cop-out answer because in terms of airsoft, they're basically identical. And um, I mean, I really like the 416, you know. Um, I enjoy the the changes visually, you know, like I find it to be an aesthetically cool gun. So I can totally get that. Um, yeah, I briefly owned, as you know, I'm not sure we've mentioned this in the podcast though, a uh, M27 IAR. I built it to be identical to my current rifle in pretty much every way. It was fantastic. I uh, then realized that I'd built two of the same rifle and kept the lighter one because <laughs> that was easier. Yeah. Uh, but I still really like it. Yeah. So, I mean, to answer your question specifically, I think if, for the fun of it, I would definitely have to go with the FAMAS just because it's such a cool weapon, especially when you start slapping on like a lot of the accessories that you see, like the Legionnaires uh, rocking on the field, like with their different optics and lights and lasers and stuff. That being said, that gets very heavy. So when you start slapping on this stuff, firstly, the FAMAS, especially the FAMAS like F1, was never intended to carry all these different accessories. So it really looks clunky. On the flip side, the FAMAS has basically nothing on the front of the barrel, so it's extremely pointable, but still, like, it's not as wieldy as as I, you, you would like. So for, for the fun, i definitely pick a FAMAS, but in the reality of, like, what I would enjoy in the long term of playing Airsoft, it'd have to be something like 416 or an M4. That's legit. And, like, I know... You know, when I was sort of thinking about what to ask you with the FAMAS, I was like, you know, I considered asking if you would like another bullpup, um, but I felt like that was an easier question because, you know, both of us have shot bullpup stuff uh, and both of us don't use them. And I don't think that's uh, should be taken as a condemnation of bullpup rifles in general. I think there are a bunch of them that are really great, uh, both for real steel and for airsoft, but neither of us has learned to reload on one. Uh, and that's a different piece of muscle memory and a different sort of approach to things. And it's not to say we couldn't, but I'm very convinced that I will never be able to reload a bulb up as quickly as I can with my M4. Could it still be pretty close, especially for airsoft games? Would it be good enough? I mean, probably. But that being said, those lightning quick reloads, mm, when you get one, oh, it's so good. And it's just not, especially with the FAMAS, with the way the, the loading mechanism works and stuff, it's just not where you want it to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, I often have 
sort of looked at guns because I like the idea of rocking something different and having something, you know, that people will be like, hey, that's weird. Let's have a chat about it. And so I've uh, one thing I've looked at a bunch is the uh, L85, but every Airsoft version of it that I've ever lifted weighs a ton and they're just they're not pointable they're not comfortable yeah uh and uh my impression is that the 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 guys issued them uh, in england don't love them too much either for similar reasons yeah uh so i guess it's a point where airsoft uh, is imitating the real thing more than we'd like it to yeah for sure you know it just sort of it didn't quite work out and for some reason i can't get into uh tossing mag adapters into stuff like and you know I know someone is going to comment on this and be like, oh, why didn't you run M4 mags on your P90? Uh, if we haven't gotten that question already. And my, uh, my comment on that remains because it's a P90. So now I've got another situation for you. Okay. Would you rather have to use a LiPo in an AEG with no LiPo slash voltage alarm or not be able to use a LiPo at all? I'll definitely run the lipo in the gun without the alarm. Yeah, and that's that's largely a matter of I've done it before. I've practiced with uh, a lot of guns that have lipos in them that aren't set up for them as well as people might like. I'm, I guess, in tune enough with the function of you know your average soft rifle that when it starts to slow down, I'll notice. So I'm not really concerned about cooking the battery. So what do you mean by slow down? So when your lipo starts to get low, it'll dip. And so the motor will not actually wind the shot up as quickly. Oh, so you'll actually notice like a performance drop in the motor. Absolutely. Uh, And usually that's accompanied by the battery, if you keep shooting, starting to get hot, but you don't want it to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's just a matter of like, keep an eye on how much you've shot, keep an eye on the kind of noise your gun is making when it fires and if it changes sort of the tone of the wine or the speed of the load of the shot immediately swap the lipo out uh, i don't necessarily recommend you do this like get a lipo alarm they cost 50 cents or a dollar if i have to choose like i'm pretty confident that i can do it without destroying the lipo or you know having the gun catch fire in my hands uh, and I am a sucker for that snap your trigger <laughs> response and just the better efficacy of the system shooting in general yeah, so I think that's that's interesting. So on the one hand, you're saying, you know, not having a LiPo alarm or voltage alarm is, it's not an unsurmountable problem. Totally. But that's also speaking to the quality of the LiPo versus the other types of batteries that are available out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so you're, broadly speaking, you're better off with the LiPo. I would tell anyone who doesn't know what they're doing to A, make sure, ideally have a FET in your gun, right? So one of the things I was going to mention is that if I explode that gun, right? Like if I'm running, you know, just like one of our stock guns that doesn't have an alarm or a FET in it, I'll run a LiPo in it because if I blow it up, I'll just fix it, right? Whatever. It's not that big a deal. Often I'll be able to fix it out of my pile of spare parts without dipping into money. If that's not the case for you, maybe don't do that, right? Yeah, that's um, it, It's fine for Phil. Like if Phil does the same thing and blows up the same gun, I'm just going to fix it. That's not a problem. You know, if you don't know a tech well or aren't a tech... It's, it's more risky, right? And again, yes, I can tell by ear. Reliably enough that I'm comfortable saying, yeah, I can tell by ear. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the aspects of running a LiPo without an alarm or a FET that cause wear and tear on your gun aren't there. It just means that I'm not going to have a LiPo light on fire next to my face inside a buffer tube. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but like, even for me, the alarm's a good idea, right? Because it's more accurate than telling by ear. Yeah. And 
they're plug and play usually. You can literally just buy ones that connect into your Dean's connector and then have a Dean's connector on them. Yeah. So it's, it is foolish not to have one. Yeah, especially considering <laughs> the fact that if your light bulb goes low voltage enough, you just, it might not catch fire, but you might not be able to charge it again. Like it might just be dead, yep. right? So suddenly, because you don't have this piece of kit, you let it get too far away from you and then you can't charge the battery anymore and you're done. And that's best case scenario, really. Totally. And and like, you don't want to cook a $40 piece of gear, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Especially not when the solution is a very cheap piece of kit yeah. that you can install very easily for most people, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, you know, if you're the person who is going, eh, you know, whatever I can manage, then, and I've been that person, you'll probably end up doing the same thing I did, which is you'll be dumb once and then you'll put one in. You know, the, the first mistake can cost you $41. Yeah. So uh, I guess back to me for uh, for questions. Would you rather have... A gun with a really complicated wiring harness uh, engineered to sort of like create exactly the electrical system you want in your gun or a much less complicated electrical harness now that you know more about teching. I'm being a jerk. Yeah, no, (laughs) this is a really good question because I think just in our history, I think we've created guns for me, for us that had very complicated electrical systems in them. I, I think back to the Scar L with the the old Triggermaster MOSFET, which is no longer made now because it was just drop ins are way easier. But, oh man, and like it was a great fit. But it had like it wires awesome. all over the place, right? And so I compare it to what we have now with with the Spectre, and I mean I understand that the Spectre is like best in class MOSFET, so fair enough. It is very straightforward. But. It's fair to note, when we got them, the Trigger Masters were basically the best thing you could buy. Yeah. Right? And for those of you who haven't used one, right, they're about the size of a, uh, a AA battery. They're a two wires from the trigger contact, two wires from the motor, two wires to the battery goes in your stock. Pretty similar to a, a, the gate MOSFETs that go in your stock now, except a little less refined and a little chunkier. Yeah. So to answer the question, I think for me, one thing that I've learned, especially doing more teching with you over the last several months, I want a system that has fewer points of failure because at the end of the day, I'm going to do something stupid and my gun will break or, and this is, I think, very important for everybody to be aware of, I will do nothing stupid and my gun will break anyway. And that's, that's yourself, right? Like we're we're using, and I, I've, I've said this before, but I'll say it again, we are using small, complicated air compressors that were redesigned so they'd fit into a specific shape and a specific space with a minimum of re-engineering effort and a minimum of failures, not no failures. Yeah. So you can create very complicated systems that do exactly what you want them to do and serve a specific purpose, especially if you're using, like we were saying before with the SCAR, it involved a lot of drilling and running wires through places that wires weren't really supposed to run and all this kind of stuff. That's all fine and dandy. And you can create that and it it will work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I still have one of the scar wiring harnesses at back just because we never threw away the parts. Mm. Um, but the second that you have a problem with it, it becomes a lot more complicated to diagnose the problem because there are that many more points of failure. I know recently we were having a problem with the air seal on my gun where it was double feeding and then it went from shooting its its normal velocity level, like 1.38, 1.39 joules to 0.8. And we didn't understand the why. And it, there's so many parts that are involved there that we had to basically figure out what the actual culprits could be and then narrow it down piece by piece until we found out what the culprit was. And it wasn't a simple fix. Like, we, it took a while. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, your easiest, oh, yeah, that'll, 
you know, take six seconds kind of change, unfortunately. When you we did inc- fix it though. We did, yeah. <laughs> when you include the wiring though, then it becomes a whole other situation because again, with the points of failure with an electrical fault, there it could be any of the wires that are running in your gearbox. So you could have, you know, like a, a short anywhere. Uh, it could be a problem with your battery. It could be a problem with your motor. It could like, there's so many different things that are at play. So the simpler the system, I think the better. And a lot of these like this or that questions, I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong answer. But in this case, I definitely think there is. In any situation where you have a choice between something complicated and something simple, you generally should choose the simple thing. I, I generally agree. Yeah. I, just to give a little bit of background here, probably the funniest thing to come out of uh, Phil, for me, f- to come out of Phil doing tech work is the point at which he looked at me and went, so how many times have I asked you if you could do something? And instead of being a sensible human being and telling me, yes, but that will take 20 hours, you just said yes. Yeah. You know, and that, that's definitely a, a character fault of mine. Like, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to harsh on Phil here. That's entirely my bad. But it is funny to think about, like, I learned a lot of electrical stuff, you know, I'm still very much a basic kind of electrical guy, but I learned a lot of how to solder and a lot of how to, you know, wire stuff up, figuring out ways to wire mostly scars so that the buttstock would fold back with much, uh, much more rudimentary, larger MOSFETs than what we currently have available. Uh, and that change has definitely been kind of fun to see, like the the change in technology from, oh yeah, I'm going to install this, this trigger master and like program it with trigger pulls to, yeah, I'm going to drop in this beautiful FET and then I'm going to put the gun together and then I'm going to program it using my phone is like, yep, no, this is, (laughs) we like the curve. Technology is great. (laughs) Yeah, and there definitely are still MOSFETs out there that use trigger pulls. I know that the, I think BTC even makes one that's like a basic that doesn't have the Bluetooth. But if you have the opportunity to get a Bluetooth enabled MOSFET, it makes a world of a difference when it comes to programming. It makes it so easy to test stuff. It makes it so easy to test electrical in your gun. But, you know, it's it's not critical. Mm-hmm. All right, I got another one for you. Would you rather take the field with no boots or no knee pads? Oh, God. Uh, so this is brutal because uh, he knows, and I think we've mentioned to you guys, but I have the knees of, like, a dead 95-year-old. Yeah. Um, it's taken me, like, 20 years to finally get my doctor to actually get me on the road to getting my knees squared away, uh, which is pretty bad for someone who's 36, but there you go. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll lose the knee pads and take the boots every time. Yeah. Yeah. If I have to take a knee and it hurts versus just my feet being wrecked all day. Yeah. Give me the boots. So what are the boots providing for you that the knee pads that you're willing to just knee pads for? Uh, well, uh, they're providing me a place to store the, uh, the fancy ass, um, padding that I've got for my boots that now helps with the bad knee. Okay. Uh, and that's that's definitely got a lot of utility to it. Uh, you know, and like, if it comes down to like, oh yeah, you know, taking a knee is really uncomfortable. Well, that's a lot more livable than breaking my ankle. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think good boots are probably the second most important thing to own if you're playing yourself right after good eye pro. Yeah. Um, you know, you can... Go out on the field in a pair of sneakers and be okay most of the time. You know, I don't recommend it, but uh, I don't think you'll break your ankle one or even eight times out of eight, right? But like, we've seen you know, it. But yeah, no, we absolutely have. And, you know, I mean, the good boots won't even necessarily protect you from hurting yourself. You know, uh, one of our teammates uh, did at one point fracture his leg really badly, and he was wearing good hikers. Uh, it was just, you know, 
uh, a mixture of uh, bad luck and a little bit of errant stupidity. Yeah. Um, you know, I like having my feet function at the end of the day. And yeah, like you can, you can do a lot more with a bad airsoft gun than you can with being uncomfortable and not happy moving around and being cold and just, you know, for want of a better way to put it, feeling shitty. Yeah. We um, talked about that in previous episode too. Like if you're not in a good place because your feet hurt, like you're not as effective as you could be. And fundamentally, you're just not having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, and, you know, I, uh, I'm i a tall guy. I don't like falling. I have further to fall. Wear boots, get boots with a good aggressive tread with a good grip get boots that give you good ankle support that are comfortable i'll go without any part of my kit other than the goggles if i can keep the boots you know because part of it's you know the places where we play are often muddy and slick and kind of gross and like your sneakers a will be full of mud so they're not going to be super comfortable after that happens yeah but b they're not going to be able to grip right they're designed for gripping a gym floor yeah that's right, right? totally now, before I move on, remember, life is not a this or that, so you can also have knee pads, and you definitely should if you can swing it. Uh, they do make a big difference, but if you had to pick one or the other, we said it in our beginner video, one of the very first videos we ever made. Uh, good boots, just critical piece of kit. They don't have to be military boots. Like You can get really good hiking boots that provide you with that same support. In, in point of fact, get hiking boots combats are usually not made by the highest bidder right? for sure like and if you talk to a lot of soldiers they'll tell you that insofar as their unit will allow them they will use civilian hikers rather than use military boots because they are better make more comfortable and, and so on so keep that in mind uh so this one's definitely also sort of like a little bit of riffing off of an in-joke with us but uh alpenflage or multicam oh god um so for those of you who don't know what Alpenflage is, Alpenflage is a Swiss camo from like the 60s and 70s. It's red. It's also called Pizza Turn. Uh, it looks like you were painting a house red with overalls on, like paint got everywhere. And it's just this horribly just, it's just, yeah, a complete mess of a camouflage pattern. Um, that being said, Alpenflage is really unique, uh, which is why myself and Johnny picked it up. On the flip side, you know, everyone wears multicam. Um, the US military uses multicam. The British have their MTP or whatever it's called. And it's basically multicam too. We use multicam on the team for many years before we switched to, to Woodland. And funnily, if memory serves, you know, to speak to something you were talking about earlier, we switched off of multicam because everyone was using it. And like when we started using it, it was fairly rare here. And that helped both with our feeling of sort of being Gucci and team coherent. Um, but also it made it easy to visually identify my teammates because if it was wearing multicam, it was probably a storm rider. Yeah. And also there was a period of time where nobody had really seen it here. So that also meant that it was it gave you a tactical advantage because especially like in the fall when we started using it, we would just disappear in the brambles and stuff because people didn't really know what they were looking for. Um, and it was at that time, it was effective. I don't think there's any situation in the Newfoundland environment that we play in or any environment that we could conceivably travel to, to play where Oppenflage would be effective. I would also say there's probably no place where Oppenflage is effective, probably period. So I would definitely have to go with multicam. I think overall, um, 
although it is not the ideal camouflage for our environment, I think if you watch the video that uh, Johnny and I did on the camouflage effectiveness for our areas, and my recent experiences wearing it out of the field when I thought it would be effective because everything had sort of dried out and it was the fall and stuff and it was really not there. You know, although it's not the best, it's still good, right? It's still decent camo, it can be effective and it's better than not wearing anything and it's definitely better than wearing alpenflage because because alpenflage is red dominant, it any sort of motion really catches your eye. It's like the Spanish bullfighters, right? Waving the red capes and stuff. You can't get away with that with alpenflash. I've worn it here at the field and I've been crawling along and I was low to the ground and people could still see me a mile away. That's not useful. Is it hilarious? Totally. Is it useful? Not really. And I mean, it's also fun to, you know, I'm sure put it on and run and gun at uh, at Frontline and just have a laugh, right? But yeah, no, that, that follows. Uh, one of the things that I remember really impressing me from that camouflage video was how effective just like olive drab and putting a little bit of stuff to darken your skin on your face and hands is. Um, I think that modern camouflage can definitely be really, really effective. Uh, but I think for a very long time, I've undersold to myself like how important darkening up my skin is in terms of trying to blend in. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we're we're all Caucasian, right? So if you're not Caucasian, that has might have a different impact for you. And that's, that's fair enough, right? But for us, if we're not wearing gloves and we're not concealing our faces in some way, it becomes very, very obvious, right? So yeah, I mean, I'd have to pick multicam sort of by a landslide um, for effectiveness because that's what I care about when I play Airsoft, right? And I mean, multicam works pretty well, as you noted, here in the fall and the spring, like when things are dried out and yellow here, it is fantastic. Um, you know, so I can definitely appreciate where you'd be with that. Um, I feel like I should give a nod to the fact that a large part of the reason we switched to Woodland was that there weren't a lot of people wearing that here at the time specifically. We figured it would be effective when the multicam wasn't, which it absolutely is. And we watched a lot of action movies in the 90s. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and to be completely clear, Woodland here is still very effective at all times of the year. Right, uh, even in the in, even in the winter, right? Like when you're playing in the woods and stuff, woodland is effective. Yep, well, I mean, right? we've got evergreens. You know, um, I think in winter, um, the sort of whites on bottom, woodland on top has worked really well for us. The few times yep, that we've absolutely. played winter games here. All right, so I think we have time for one more. Sure. Here's another no context one. M1 Garand or Thompson. This one's a little harder than the last one. But I think I'm going to go with the Garand. Okay. Uh, I tend to prefer a longer range, more accurate rifle over a shorter range, higher rate of fire one. Okay. I'm still just hella impressed with the stock G&G Garand. Uh, it shoots way better than I thought it would. The mid caps are 40 rounds, which is not that much lower than what I'm used to. But like, it's very accurate for... Uh, what it is they're both kind of unwieldy clunky guns relative to like a modern rifle like an m4 or even an ak honestly the button selection on the thompson is just like oh god yeah definitely. you know like, it's terrible but i definitely like both guns but i would rather shoot my uh, grand for sure uh i mean it also goes more sort of historically accurately with my kit which is a benefit uh, somewhere Johnny is laughing because I mentioned that. Yeah, no, I uh, I was just staggeringly impressed with the Garand. Um, upgrading and tweaking with either of them is a pain in the butt because taking both of them apart is a nuisance. Uh, the Thompson's definitely better there. 
They've both got a slightly weird trigger assembly. Uh, the Thompson one is based on a P90. Uh, and the um, Garand one is based on M14. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that the M14 style trigger setup better. Uh, it's harder to break. Uh, in terms of upgradability, they're probably both about the same, uh, which is to say complicated but not awful. And as weird as this might sound, using a rifle that is shaped like a rifle is definitely not ergonomically as good as using sort of a modern carbine. But it is pleasant. So the rifle grip doesn't drive you crazy? No, not usually. Really? Yeah. I mean, part of it's that I've got gigantic hands. Um, That's which true. Which probably helps. Yeah. Right? But yeah, I find it pretty comfortable to shoot. It's not as comfortable as the M4. Partly ergonomics and partly it does weigh more because, you know, metal and wood mm-hmm. weighs more than metal and aluminum. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely sold on the Garand. The Thompson... Uh, I remain honestly quite impressed by two. Like the King Arms Thompson out of the box shoots a lot better than I expect it to as well. Um, I don't know if I just have like a really jaundiced view of stock guns at this point. Uh, Maybe I do. But, you know, in both cases, I was really impressed with the actual shooting them. Um, They're both a lot more accurate than I was expecting. Uh, The only criticism of the Grand I have is that it's got kind of a long trigger pull. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that, yeah. But that's resolvable by in, in my case probably resolvable by going in and messing around with the uh, FET that I put in it and like doing a nicer job with it and upgrading some parts uh, which will probably happen after I finish buying the physical non-rifle parts of the kit uh, it's just that at the moment I'm more excited to buy double, double buckle boots than I am to buy a new MOSFET and a new motor for my Garand which feels kind of weird for me to say because usually I'm all about the tinkering like I definitely like both guns a lot but yeah, the Thompson is not all that for me. Um, the only thing that I'd really consider, I mean, I am considering this in a long-term sort of sense, is maybe switching to or getting the stuff I need to also be able to run a bar. And like, I know from when John had one that they're beefy guns, but I'm a big dude. Like, it's it's not outside of the scope of what I can handle. Yeah, for sure. And they're... Like, it was fun to shoot the thing. Yeah, it's a beauty. <laughs> right? It's like, definitely not for me, but it's a beauty. You know, like, yeah. it was it was cool. And I'm, I'm already sacrificing uh, a lot of pieces of practicality in terms of my kit to do the World War II kit. You know, um, I'm, I'm super excited, and I'm just hyped as hell. But I definitely acknowledge that, like, that kit is going to be less efficient than my modern kit in terms of layout and resources and just pretty much everything it's still going to be super super fun so who cares you know um but you'll also definitely see photos of me wearing my uh, my modern hiking boots with it because there's just no way the historical ones are actually going to be more comfortable yeah no no question no question right? will i absolutely get the you know the historical combats absolutely will i wear them for some games totally i i want to get that sort of man how much did this actually suck kind of vibe that john talks about right but it is the sort of thing where realistically especially if we're playing uh at frontline where you know like there's a there's a curated field in the safe zone like i will probably bring both pairs of boots and switch at some point in the day to the more comfortable ones just so that i'm more comfortable yeah absolutely all right pat so you get the privilege to ask me the last question of the day oh man all right so this is going to be a team referential one because it's going to be fun uh, so if you have to uh, choose between uh, the Pat Mule humping your stuff up the hill for you yep. or uh, kicking in a door with Chris. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I think I'd have to. Hmm. 
I think I'd have to go, well, I mean, it's not literally, but figuratively kicking in a door with Chris. Because, um, I mean, firstly, it's airsoft. Nobody should be kicking in any doors, literally. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? That's uh, very because good Because you don't know what's on the other side. So, That's very important to right? know. Like, yeah. I'm not actually trying to hurt anybody. So that being said, um, so when I take that statement figuratively, I think you mean just basically just hammering on the field with Chris. And I would definitely take that. I think... Chris is one of those players um, who we talk about in one of the previous podcast episodes and one of our upcoming videos, if it's not already out yet, that they're great to play with because they make everyone around them better. Absolutely. Right? Chris is the kind of guy who, when I'm playing with Chris, motivates me to be better. It motivates me to do things the right way. It motivates me to actually switch shoulders rather than just being lazy and not doing it, right? Um, he motivates me to push to the next piece of cover when sometimes I might not want to. Or he asks me, it's like, hey, Phil, do this. And I don't even think about it. I just go ahead and do it. Um, and that's a really, really cool dynamic because I find that you can be very disciplined with yourself and you can be like all right i need to shoot move and communicate all the time i need to shoot i need to get offline I need to move you can do that pretty well but at some point your discipline will eventually wane right and having somebody there that sort of reinforces that sort of behavior and makes you be better is just really really awesome and it's one of the reasons that i love playing with chris and with all of you guys so much is because when i'm playing with you I feel like I can do more. And we talk about this, we talked about this in the past, but that's what great players are all about, right? They are force multipliers on the field because everybody around them also tends to get better, shows up just a little bit more. Absolutely. Right? And like, I, uh, you know, I picked Chris specifically because, yeah, like, he is a wicked, wicked person to play with because you're like, yeah, no, he will look at you and go, man, why aren't you giving me, you know, 110% right now? Um, but like, he does it in such a way that you're never like, telling him to leave you alone it's it's always like hey man come on like you know step up and you're like yeah let's do this right it's very much a uh, a good leadership thing and i think he's not the only person on our team who brings that by any stretch no like i remember um, being playing one game where i was working with johnny and like johnny uh turns around and he he looks at me he's like hey skip and i was like yep and he's like gun up and i was like yeah i was behind cover and my gun was down and we've talked about this in our videos you always keep your gun up when you're behind cover you should always do that but i was being lazy he called me out on it and i'm like all right yeah absolutely i'm on it right and it's just small stuff like that and i know he's not mad at me for not keeping my gun up but just that little reminder is enough to be like oh yeah right i need to be better and, right and i mean for the people out there who were wondering like oh why would i want to be on an airsoft team i think this really amusingly has cut to the heart of it right you know i want to be on an airsoft team because i like these guys and they're my friends and we hang out and that's awesome but I also want to be on an airsoft team because when I show up, even with one other person, right? Like, even if I show up with, you know, the the next laziest member of our team, because I'm definitely not the <laughs> the most motivated uh, a lot of the time, I'm, I'm freely willing to admit, you know, once I'm in, I'm in. But, uh, you know, I do require some prodding in that direction some yeah, days. Sure. Um, you know, the two of us are going to be way better because there are two of us and we're both going to go like, hey, no, you know, come on, let's do this, right? Um, no one's going to look at me and be like, hey, Pat, stop standing there and start making a plan. There are six of us get on it like my teammates are. Yeah. Right. And because we're friends, I'm incentivized to go, Oh yeah, yeah, let's do this. Right. And I feel like such motivational speeches as I give are also workable, right? Like gun up, let's get to work. Let's do this thing rather than sitting here. Cause we talk all the time about 
you know, how we prefer an aggressive style of play. And man, we've, we've worked that out. We have definitely gone to great lengths to test whether or not we want to be doing that versus the sitting around. But all of us can get lazy, right? Like, yeah. you know, doesn't matter what team you're on or if you're on any team. Like, we all have days where we're like, oh, man, I really don't know that I want to go out there and do the thing. And having people to hold you accountable yeah. is super important, right? Um, you know, and it is that it's that camaraderie of the teammate, right? Am I going to give my, like, last drop of energy at an airsoft game? Maybe. Am I going to give my last drop of energy to get the flag to win an airsoft game that I'm playing with my team? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And that I'm more motivated by the group than I am personally, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the thing about it is, is that you're going to hunt my ammo anyway. So it doesn't really matter. That's true. <laughs> so guys, I hope you really like this new format. I think it's a fun way for us to have conversations about smaller things that wouldn't necessarily make a full length episode, but it's a good way for us to just get talking about uh, some of the other aspects of Airsoft that uh, we find interesting, funny, and so on. And it gives you a different format to listen to. So, you know, it breaks things up for you as well. Yeah. So guys, thanks so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Cheers, guys. Thanks.